So tonight I'll talk a bit more about um, Anapanasati. Um, this is, so obviously is the, the medi- mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness connected with breathing. So this is off in the, there's a sutta, the Anapanasati sutta, which talks about this, and Buddha explains this, you know, kind of the way the Buddha explained things in a kind of very complete way. Um, so sometimes, you know, the Buddha's explanations are like the complete ones, and therefore, uh, so the most thoroughgoing um, things, you know, so it's for for beginners, for medium, for advanced, it doesn't necessarily mean one can always immediately do all of it. Uh, it's something you kind of you work with over years. Um, so it's important to kind of be able to take the Buddha's teachings because they're you know, those which are even apply to people who are very highly developed, cultivated. So we can sometimes see these things just feel a sense of despair because we can't manage them or they seem way beyond us. It's important to be able to, to kind of to just keep it in mind and keep referring to the to the practice, how it's done, what we can do, the general themes, and to let it go its way. Just keeping in mind the basic um, structure of mindfulness, the qualities of right effort, and then allowing things to develop, and then just being aware of that as we as we are cultivating over the years. This can take many decades, really, many as a lifetime has. Um, just to be aware of the, of the way the Buddha explained it, so as the territory in it of our, our experience changes, it's something we can keep referring to. Um, and so this is obviously the, the very simple thing we refer to, which is the breath. But then, of course, what the how that's experienced and how well we can experience that, and what goes on in, in relationship to that, changes. <coughs> As a, this is explained in terms of what are called four tetrads, or four groups, each group having four factors. And as it's a practice of mindfulness, then obviously there's a close correlation between the four tetrads and the four uh, classifications, or the four foundations of mindfulness. Mindfulness of body, mindfulness of feeling, Mindfulness of mind and mindfulness of dhamma, um, phenomena or mind, mind, mind states, and so this is quite seems to be quite closely related to to the the sutta, and so I explain it in those terms. Also, as as one is using a continual theme, the breath, and there's a lot of emphasis on qualities of of piti sukha. Um, joyfulness or the, the sense of uh, uplift, gladdening, thrill, enjoyment and the quality of pity and the quality of ease or sukha, comfort, satisfied, well-being then this, uh, this certainly relates a lot to the factors of jhana so this comes into it also <coughs> the four tetrads are basically the first is about body or refers to body second refers to the the way the mind experiences things the third refers to the mind itself and the fourth refers to dhamma that is to uh, called impermanence um, dispassion Cessation or stopping, resting, checking, stopping, and relinquishing, or letting go. Um, <clears throat> this fourth one actually seems to be something to keep bearing in mind uh, with all the other three. So it's not exactly like you go one, two, three, four, but the, the fourth one is like a kind of a an overview. It's like the thumb with three fingers, the thumb as opposed to the three fingers with that which enables it them to be used properly. So the fourth one is a kind of continual uh, gearing 
you you use in relationship to the other three. Um, so this seems to be the basic setup of the sutta, and then after after the, the four tetras, the Buddha goes on to talk about cultivation of the seven factors of enlightenment, which are again dependent upon very similar features to the fourth tetrad, dependent on um, um, detachment instead of impermanence, but otherwise very similar. And this is the quality that, uh, this fourth one is the quality that makes it a Buddhist practice, not just a yogic practice. And Buddhist practice is always a ability to to realize, to review, to contemplate, to understand something rather than to just go through some particular uh, experience. So we can see that in some way um, the process can be seen as one of, of, of enriching and purifying the mind. And as you say, it's a kind of like similar to a yogic practice. You know, this is what it does. But then the Buddhist side, if you like, is this whole sense of ability to review not just the the individual factors, but the whole process of of mind itself, whatever it's doing, whether it's pure, bright, dark, or whatever, as something that is not self, as something that we we see as impermanent, something we relinquish it, we let go of it. This is what really makes it a, a kind of Buddhist practice, so that you're not talking about becoming something or getting somewhere or kind of being somebody at a certain stage or something like that. These are very these have a certain truth to them, but they're very they're very dangerous things to have in mind. And they produce the wrong kinds of energy. Because of a certain they they can they have a certain truth to them. The whole quality of this reviewing and dispassion and letting go is that which keeps keeps it all in line. <clears throat> so the first tetrad refers to body that's the simple uh, kaya and this uh, is really the body as we experience it through the process of breathing the whole thing centers around the breathing process so as I've explained the way to to sit is the way to arrange the body so it's sitting upright that it is actually related to breathing. It's something that breathing supports and supports the full full experience of breathing. Then, if one doesn't do this, the posture's all twisted in somewhere or another, or it's cramped or it's shut down, then you don't don't really uh, get the proper benefit. And there's still the unconscious... um, Unconscious qualities there affecting the body, and it's just then the the kind of sense of application is in line with what are called the four idipada, four dipadas or bases of success, which are very simply expressed, you say just really putting your heart into it, giving yourself to some giving yourself to the practice, really giving to it, having confidence and then giving yourself to it and then investigating, working with it as it happens. So this is a kind of simple way of just summarizing them. And this is essentially the same kind of quality effort that you put in if you do anything in this way you'll get the best results if you're cooking a meal or if you're washing up or whatever, and you do it in this way, then you're going to get the best results from it. And that sense of, of really being able to give yourself is a very important, um, the kind of right effort to it, which is not a forcing, it's not a straining, it's a kind of generous, and it, it comes from the quality of, of faith. which And as one practices, and one gets able to do this better and then your sense of experience of your body becomes more full and benefits from the practice again you're able to do it more fully you're able to put more effort into it the proper kind of effort because breath 
continually establishes and settles the right kind of energy, the right vitality. This is why I think it's such a such a key practice in a way. You know, that, that all your physiological vitality comes from breathing. So the Buddha and I said that the in and out breathing is the conditioner of the body. Obviously if we didn't have in and out breathing we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be aware of our body, we'd be dead. <laughs> but it's also the thing that conditions it. So if you're in and out breathing its condition is proper, then your body feels good. If your body feels good, then you feel more relaxed. You feel more relaxed, you feel more giving. And very often in the whole process of this body awareness, then learning to to tune the breathing properly is quite critical. I found myself just in you know, in practicing with this, just learning to how to really feel the breath in the abdomen or in the chest. So that these areas which didn't seem particularly painful or anything problematical, it's only through applying a kind of examination and this kind of um, attitude to be able to really relinquish certain kind of slight tensions or restrictions or crampness that are related to kinds of worry, nervousness, uh, slightly cramped, strained thing, attitude, that then is registered in the body and naturally affects the practice. So just consider the whole idea of giving, you know, the hearty, the full-heartedness of it, and how that that very idea affects your body. What what your body feels like when you want to, when you bring up that kind of attitude, you know, open-heartedness, and how it affects your whole way of feeling your body. Um, so just be, then the you have these. Initial factors of which are, are really important to develop uh, the quality of, um, of getting the mind to 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 go along with this, the thinking mind, the, the conceiving mind, which can be running all over the place with various worries and things, doubts and so forth. Just to be able to give it all up and give that to this simple process. This uh, fixing the thinking mind onto breath. So very simply, we say just being able to kind of consider long or short breath, in breath, out breath, stay with it. And if you can't do that, then do it to the the body. So if you can't make that, then you just begin with recognizing the the area between your knee and your hip. And saying you be there and fixing your mind there, or between your big toe and your heel, or between along your index finger or parts, or considering the framework of the body, the bones and the organs, and and you know actually bringing this up to mind, bringing up a thought, seeing where it points to, and focusing your attention and then evaluating that experience. So you, this is where you train the thinking mind to, to get it to drop its preoccupations and its plans and its conceit. And it's not wanting to be bothered with these kind of things. And it's uh, then this is really helpful because if you do nothing more than that, the advantage of having a mind that works for you rather than drains you and, and burdens you is, is very beneficial. Long in-breath, out-breath, the whole breath, body, the whole body, and then calming it. So when this is established, then you, be, you on the in and the out-breath, you, you try to Extend it so it's the complete breathing process, the whole with spaces in between the breaths, the in breath, the out breath, and then really aware of what bodily experience you experience with breathing. 
the sense of vibration, vitality. You know, whether you the feeling of a sense of subtle pressures that that go with the the process of the physiological process of breathing, the subtle vibrations, the flow of it, the sense of what the body feels like when it's when it's actually flowing with the breath, body consciousness. How is that? Bright, dark, uh, energized, cramped, with areas of strain in it. Then you begin to work into those and, and massage them. And so you fill out this, this domain of body consciousness through the process of the breathing process. Um, because it's got vitality to it. It has steadiness to it, and it has also the qualities of that come from applying your mind. Is that the mind, the mind's uh, stability, the mind's deep mind's intention, the mind's directness keeps going to that. So intention and attention go there, and that you know, anything you put your intention in, you're kind of deliberate will into is going to become much more conscious of it and it becomes more energized so this vitaka vichara or fixing and evaluating and uh, you can see it's rather like if you've ever seen a <coughs> the way it develops if you've ever seen the way that sheep dog sheep dog works for example they're fantastic creatures in many ways is a collie and uh, really well-trained sheepdog, it doesn't kind of run around yapping, and you know, it just kind of it's able to run about twenty or thirty meters behind the flock and just control them, just by move, just by the particular way it positions its body, whether it crouches, it points its nose, or it even glances in a fixed way, and the sheep respond to that, and it can herd a whole flock of sheep to keep them in a tight flock and then herd them through a little narrow gateway just by that and it's always got its ear so it can listen to what the master's whistle is telling it the master is like you know the mindfulness that keeps you know the whole overview of this and then the vitaka vichara is rather like the sheepdog and if it's not trained then it kind of runs around loses a lot of energy kind of yapping or whatever and train when it's trained it doesn't really need to say very much it just keeps behind. And it, so the actual thinking, deliberate thinking, begins to die down. You just get this sense of the fixing and reading and intelligence applied. And that when it's trained, then it's much more accurate because you're not actually bringing up conceptual processes. You, you know, as verbalized experiences, you're much more with the, with the experience of the breath and you're just kind of reading it and you can and focusing on it um, and checking it, you know, knowing when you've gone off. It's like when a sheep breaks away from the flock, then maybe you have to kind of, kind of, you know, actually consider and think what that's about and bring it back again. So a little more action is necessary. And so in these first stages, and you're always. Uh, working against the hindrances of restlessness and dullness. Um, you know, all the kind of things we want to do or thinking about, worries, desires, ill will, grudges, and so forth. You're working against that. And you keep, you keep going at it. Mm. Rajan Samedha always used to teach this, so just even if you're practicing Anapanasati for half an hour, and you do, you just, you know, really give everything you've got for, for five minutes, and then just relax a bit, and then have another go. So even that, but it's essential that when you're doing it, you at least do five minutes of, of as much as you can get to 100% of that real giving, rather than kind of just tag along 60% for an hour. Is not really doing it, you know, because you end up getting disappointed with the practice because it never really takes off, it's just damp. 
so better to, to really give all you got to it. Uh, not forcing, but giving. And then you, you get the sense of, of connectedness and joy. And so this sense of joyfulness comes from being connected to something. You feel enthusiastic. You feel uh, keen. You feel eager. And this is a kind of basis of what's called pity. And then as one cultivates that, you start also feel kind of a sense of, of, yeah, this is working. Okay, you feel, you feel better. You feel some, some sense of, of ease. And this is sukha. So these are, these are the, what they call the, the, when the mind actually does make, come together, these are called the five jhana factors. So the first jhana. And when they do come together, then your experience changes to, you know, it's gradually changing to sense of the body becomes much more like a particular, you're not thinking of arms and legs, you don't feel like a you know, male or female, it's just a sense of embodiment with various tones in it, like we say the four elements, you know, qualities of pressure or weight or mass or you may feel bright or light, um, you may feel expansive, you may feel pressurized, you may feel kind of loose and flowing. Um, and this is the mark, the general mark of the body or nimitta. Um, and that can, the sense of, of the collectedness, the steadying and the composing becomes strong and this can develop into quite an obvious mark. So you may hear a sound, like a ringing sound, and, and like a non, non-external, non internal ringing sound. Or you often feel a kind of flush of warmth. Or you may see light, or experience a sense of lightness, or colour or something like that. And so this becomes, these are the, if you like, the marks, the nimitta that come up. Now, as regards the fourth tetrad, bearing that in mind, then sense of this whole thing has to be reviewed or seen so that the, that body consciousness experience is seen as anicca, impermanent. Now, anicca also has got this to- suggestion of being something relative. That is, it's opposed nicha means the absolute the steady, the absolute, the, you know, the permanent in a kind of like a cosmological significance, if you like, or a cosmic significance, the absolute truth or something like that. And Nietzsche means it's relative. So it's impermanent, it means that even if it's present, it means it's also something that is of the nature to change. And at the moment, we're actually the sense of recognizing its relativity, it's, it's just something that's been created, means that your mind becomes more dispassionate to it. You don't get excited by it. You don't get convinced that it means something. It's not like a visitation from on high. You know, it's, it's something you can see as, you know, it's something that's caused. Caused, it created, it, you know, if you don't put the effort into it, then it, it passes away. And so it's seen with dispassion. But it doesn't mean that we abandon it because the very understanding of seeing it as something that's caused and conditioned and created means that you have to keep you know, bearing with it. So the tendency can be just to get to a certain point and then the energy kind of flops because you feel, oh, this is nice, nice space. And then, oh, well, I feel good now. I'm going to do something or think. But if... You know, the understanding of Nietzsche also means that if you don't actually keep the same causes and conditions there, that, that thing just kind of falls away. Um, so seeing as in Nietzsche, seeing with dispassion, it's not something you need to get kind of convinced by as meaning something. And, but then the quality of stopping 
is that certain things are stopped, like for a start. Um, you can see that if you are actually absorbed in the breath, then it cuts off the, the most obvious experience of the hindrances, the kind of coarse experience of hindrance. The mind's not kind of wolf, wavering or waffling or proliferating. And there's also, there can be this experience of just relinquishment and letting go of other concerns, deep relinquishment. And also, you begin to experience some of the karma, body karma. Um, From, it comes like abuse, harm, Either harm one's physical harm's been done to you, or, or sexual abuse. These kind of things you experience the results of that, and you could also say that you experience the results of any of that that you've done yourself, in that your attitude towards body it can be one of indifference, insensitivity, some kind of cramped or marred experience of body, either because of what's been you've done or what's been done to you. So there's a, there can be the stopping of that. That is, it's recognized and the kind of causes and conditions that are locked in the body through particular, because the mind has become affected by that can be released when it can experience the body gladly, easily, as a whole vital entity. So there can be also this kind of letting go and clearing out of past karma relationship to body. So that's quite significant, really. This body process has to be taken very consciously. And so if all we learn with Anapanasati is just something about what body and breathing are about and the implications of having a body, what you're supposed to, how you're supposed to relate to it, then we've done this in one lifetime. So we're not abusing ourselves. We're not vain about ourselves. We're not kind of negative about our bodies. We're not callous to them. Then just to have done this in a lifetime is a great, great fruit, great benefit. So in the completion of that, the wholeness of the body and then the kind of, as one mind begins to experience the results of collecting, gathering, attention, then really sort of kneading that into the body. Mm-hmm. So you, like you experience the wholeness of body. And you're doing a like a you know a all night sitting or something like that. You're just spending time, even every now and then, just going back to the posture, or how your how your out breath affects your abdomen, and whether you really are able to allow a lot of letting go. Whether your chest is closed down, even kind of subtly tensed. Whether you have fear in your chest. Whether you have guilt on your shoulders, whether you have protectiveness locked into your into your belly, you know, whether these can actually be acknowledged and massaged out with proper attention around the breath, this is something to keep coming back to, and particularly in you know even in a just the immediate karma of having in a bad day or an argument or something like that or being hurt, you know, accident or physical accident or emotional, emotionally hurt, just how the body kind of cramps up, tenses up, shoulders shoot up, the system lock, and just spending time doing that, enormously 
valuable to know how to do that and keep it all in perspective. Now, if you do this, then you, what becomes more a common theme is this, is this experience of collectedness, which is accompanied by um, uh, like a, an uplifted, vibrant state, pity, joyfulness, enthusiasm, rapture, and also a kind of a, a contented easeful, these two kind of blending together, so one feels well-being in this way, piti and sukha. Uh, and you become more familiar with that, an experience in your body, associated with the body, associated with breathing, then that itself becomes something that you acknowledge and focus on. So this is the second, second tetran second group is about that. The intention to calm, to kind of just to uh, ease ease, so that if this if this experience becomes too too kind of excited, then it 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 it, it makes the mind shake and vibrate too much. You get you lose energy it just kind of rings all over so there's this constant intention to actually calm it maybe when you're breathing also to just notice how just recognizing whether your breathing is something that is you know you're breathing too forcefully not to to, to kind of have a deliberate physical effort to check your breathing just this mental inclination sometimes to you know, to like to allow yourself to breathe fully or to allow yourself to, to calm down. So that, that giving of that permission, you feel that the that things seem tight or restricted or something in you unknown is holding, then there's this, also this inclination to say, hey, it's all right, you know, you can take more, you can expand. And then as one does become more full, then this also this granting permission, you can calm down. You don't need to put a lot of effort into it. You can take it easy and things are settled. So as these signs come into being, qualities of collectedness, then there's that, that sense of, hey, it's okay, you know, just just easing it. So that this does fit in with well, an aspect of what's called the second jhana, which is that it comes from confidence. It's a sense of self-confidence. So that's important to just bear in mind. Mm. Are you trying too hard? Do you, do you trust yourself in it? Is that sense of, hey, it's okay. You're not pushing on to get somewhere. So that, as these things come together, that feeling of, 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 Giving to yourself the confidence that comes, recognizing it. Now the second tetrad is uh, is focusing more closely on the experience of pity and sukha. That is that that when uh, the mind is collected and composed around breathing, and what what becomes more apparent is that that mind is energized or charged or conditioned uh, in particular ways. Now, very often what we consider mind is the thinking process, the process of conceiving, considering, but mind here refers to the affective, that which is affect the sensitivity. So often people translate this as heart, chitta, chitta. Uh, whatever you want to use it as, heart can unfortunately 
Maybe it's just like an emotional experience, but it's it's the sensitivity here. It's, it's where your volition comes from. It's the it's the kind of the the basis which which uh, kind of uh, feels things. So it's acknowledging that one uh, one is sensitive. There's a sensitivity. So, with this, then, of course, the thinking mind uh, has to quieten down. So you more clearly experience citta when the thinking mind is is quieter, silent. You more clearly see it. It's just the feeling of being affected, being sensitive. And then recognizing that something is in contact with with the, this experience. What, what what's in connecting to this experience of breathing? What's it connecting to body consciousness? What's feeling it? Mm. This is chitta. Mm. So, at this point, then you could say that the kind of the thinking mind. Has and the body, if you like, have come together. You know, this is the samadhi aspect of bringing together. So you're not thinking; the body's not a kind of flesh bag outside of your thoughts. The two are now together into this experience of just the sensitivity to this consciousness process, body consciousness. This is then the sensitivity is jitta, and we contemplate that sensitivity. How, is it, how do we experience? What is sensitivity about? You feel something, the vibrancy. Using the ordinary English sense of the word feeling. And the vibrancy is expre- experienced in the, in the mind of a Buddha who sees these things very clearly in terms of a particular way in which something is, is, is recognized. You know, there's, there's, there's some kind of image being being, not being created there, however vague or bright that is, there's some sort of cogniz- cognitive process recognized, and there's some kind of uh, end result is when it either feels pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. This is what's called sanya, is cog- cog- cognition, perception, and vedana, feeling. So this kind of whole stimulation is based around these two factors. So, so this cognition may very well become something like the seeing, whether it's in your mind's eye or you're imagining, you're visualizing. You've got some kind of, you know impression there. Uh, to me it seems like a kind of a warm, uh, bright, but not, not glaring, a warm, bright uh, space, if you like. And it feels pleasant, pleasant, vibrant, it's got a certain vibration to it that one recognises as pleasant. And then you can actually focus on that. Uh, and of course if you do that, then mm-hmm. it cuts off various hindrances such as uh, even more more, uh, um, more fully checks the tendency towards um, wavering you're kind of hesitant there's a more complete uh, confidence one isn't so so much kind of trying and you don't feel so kind of you feel much more definite And in a way, the the thing itself has got a slightly magnetic, that is the the, the experience itself has got a slightly a magnetic quality to it, and it kind of pulls your attention. So uh, it's attractive. Um, therefore, the tendency towards any kind of sense desire is also more fully cut off because right now you're you're, you're with this, and it's it's attractive, it's pleasing. So you know it's actually more 
you know, the tendency to be pulled out into something else is much, much lesser. As you, as you begin to experience that, then again, this whole quality of, of um, soothing it, refining it. So in terms of these uh, the factors that we're applying of the idipada, then one of the factors that comes up is the sense of, uh, it's called vimanksa, it's kind of deliberative investigative quality so you you kind of you there's a, not so much thinking you can but but like feeling it out testing it out and then persistently working with it and allowing the mind to fully experience that giving the mind to it so one is kind of giving oneself free license to experience that Now, if you can't do this, then of course, when, you know, this is not something you say you've got to get to, so much as something that, that can be an avenue that comes out of practicing mindfulness of breathing around the body. Now, we could, of course, just develop the mindfulness of breathing around the, in the body by uh, focusing on one particular point, as you can bring these factors together onto one point in the body the nostrils for example and just stay right there and uh, keep letting go of any particular feeling of that tendency to go into the to the sense of, of, of rapture and ease just actually focusing on the physical contact and just practice the fourth tetrad from there you're experiencing contact you're experiencing form you're experiencing you're able to witness the, the the five aggregates there, and this is something you can do. But generally, it seems that it's difficult to sustain that because the karma is so strong. And as body karma has got its own problems that have to be resolved, often through this quality of of samadhi as a healing process, and then body karma is pretty slight compared with mental karma. So, uh, so actually, you, you find that you can only do this for so long before some kind of karmic thing comes up. Uh, that is, one is one is find oneself drawn into uh, away from that. One wears one doesn't have the energy to sustain it. Particularly in the way the mind is is um, stimulated, then as you're practicing with that, then this helps you to work with the way unskillful speech, uh, erotic, unskillful erotic behavior, you know, this overstimulation, tendency to overstimulate through that. Because when you, these are all connected to, to the experience of the mind being delighted uh, you know, so we often find speech, playful speech, um, which is very mild actually, but things like um, lying, exaggerating, uh, or even abusive speech, even overstimulation. The way we experience things, we overreact, hot-tempered, touchy, oversensitive, insensitive. And these are this so the second tetra is a way of actually starting to clear out the unskillful sensitivities. So it's very useful in this extent. Now if you just focus on on feeling itself, like if you look at the second Foundation of mindfulness, being mindful of feeling in and of itself. Well, we can do this. I find if you do, this is fine provided the feeling is just like, you know, on a physical level. Um, 
but very often feeling is so connected to all sorts of karmic tendencies that is mental, uh, the mental feeling, the feeling in the mind is associated with a lot of um, outgoing or particular karmic tendencies. And it's very difficult to actually contemplate mental feeling as mental feeling as a phenomenon without getting involved with it, without either you know, blowing it, losing it, repressing it, getting confused by it. When I say mental, I don't mean just intellectual, I mean emotional. Um, and so uh, if you just focus on feeling, then it's fine if you can do it with mindfulness, but you're very I find it very difficult to really focus on a on a using just pure mindfulness on some emotional mental feeling without anything else. Right? Like and it's not to say that you shouldn't you can't do this, but if you are it's probably best to come from using the basis of the Brahma Vihara, like Karuna or something, to make you able to or upeka, so you're actually approaching it through that. Because the tendency I find otherwise is to then to get too sensitive, to to or to 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 exaggerate, to find yourself the feeling takes up too much of your life, become too but too too um, sensitive to things. So connecting the the feeling aggregate to the pro- pro- bodily process of breathing. And so you, you kind of connect, tethering it to that, which is a calming, steadying, and you're seeing feeling in relationship to how how the, the that particular breathing um, consciousness, if you like, is, is experienced and felt. And then you, you acknowledge it, open up to it, enhance it, Complete it. Uh, you know, make sure there's no cramped or dull spaces in it, and then soothe it, ease it, relax it, and using the the fourth tetrad, you recognise this is just an experience in the mind. This is just the mind moving, whatever. I mean, it's kind of exquisite. Bright, brilliant, vast, or whatever, it's just the mind moving. And you can check the tendency, you can stop the tendency, and relinquish the tendency to get involved, identified, make much of, deny, negate, and so on, the feeling and the sensitivity of mind. It's important. Fine with this, uh, to my mind, tends to go into, then spins off into creativity. When I get kind of pity, sukha, like that, then it's, it, it, it easily connects to delight. Like I can just delight in nature, or sometimes even when I, I put myself somewhere I can't see anything, you know, I get too, too excited, like I, you know, I start to think, I get lovely visions and ideas and you know, really kind of just, it all seems so wonderful at the time. You know, and you kind of, you look back and you think, I spent like two hours just sort of, where were you? You know, you had some great lovely thought and you wrote it down, you look at it and what was that all that about? Just drivel. <laughs> so it's so wonderful at the time. It's rather like when you take take LSD, you know, you can come up with some, some totally banal statement. It seems like the kind of profoundest thing that's ever been said by humankind. Because <laughs> this is something that ex- really heightens the sensitivity of the mind. So everything seems wonderful or dreadful. Nothing's boring when you take LSD. <laughs> Even boring is exciting. Because it's the kind of just tinks with that apparatus. So in a way, this is some way of actually working out the bad karma of taking LSD. Because <laughs> 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 you actually acknowledge and work with that particular sensitivity and 
soothe it and to see it for what it is the mind doing something you know, on a kind of on a vibrant plane and the third is uh, is you know, if you if you can do this or you, you know, it's possible it comes round to being able to kind of that then it's about the chitta itself so and this is not so much what the mind is doing but but what the what if you like not not the how and the, and the performance but the actual nature of mind and this is quite special really very difficult to 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 see knowing the mind uh, and for this really is more a process of of, of equanimity of, uh, so it's, it's a kind of much cooler thing more equanimous peaceful because you can't have a lot going on emotionally you know or vib- in a vibrant way in order to because if you do then you get you're bound to be noticing that things have to cool out a lot in order to just see hey what what What's where's the arena? You know now when the arena, if the stage is full of actors, you don't really see the stage. What happens when the, some of the actors have gone? And then you pull right down. Hey, hey, look at that! It's my mind. What is it that actually feels anything? We take it for granted. Jitta is taken for granted. So we don't even you know, don't know what it is, or where, but that something is known. So there's often a confusion between consciousness and mind. It's consciousness, you sort of see them as the same, they're not. Your body consciousness means that the fact that there's a bodily experience is present. And that's naturally, that's related to mind, if you like. And mind is the aspect of consciousness that, that looks back on it, that, looks, that actually acknowledges that that bodily experience. So the body has a con- is a conscious consciousness which experiences things through the body, then tells it what's happening. And that telling or referring or knowing isn't necessarily done verbally, but just that self-referring aspect of consciousness is called chitta. And primarily, at first, it's just the sense of intention and attention, so that chitta is like the matrix of intention and, atten- and attention. That is, as a kind of leaning over and holding, mm-hmm. sustaining that. This is chitta, and then when that is there, and then it begins to vibrate in accordance with what's present. It picks it up, it sensitizes, and then those vibrations are then assembled into particular cognitive experiences that are then thought about. This is manas, or the intellect. So, just so when we're actually becoming more conscious and more clear about this, uh, the self-referring or the the attention and intention that experience is known. What is it that knows in this way? Not intellectually knowing or conceptually knowing, but that has that knowing. Studying. Mm-hmm. Studying the breath. Studying what the breath is experienced at this time, which is just probably a matter of flow and vibration. Can't call it air anymore. This kind of flow and vibrancy, and then calming that flow and vibrancy down, easing it off. So it's just a kind of steady warmth, and then ability to to say to call that and to refer to mind or to refer to the knowing of that so the same similar 
features of expressed, the pitti and sukha. But when you look at it in terms of mind, it's much more uh, the sense of um, sometimes it's pity is expressed as uh, fully experiencing, fully uh, gladdening. So it's a cooler kind of thing. It's not so much a, a, a sort of bright, dazzling thing, so much as a kind of um, uh, gladdening the mind, making that the way of experiencing something, something that's fully conscious, and then um, satisfying, sometimes expressed this way, so that we we are not particularly pushing forward, uh, we're not uh, pushing back, we're not waiting for the next, there's not this kind of subtle, subtle tension that occurs with pity and sukha, it tends to have an energizing quality. Also, it, it sort of has a sort of way in which it it demands, it, it pushes, it inclines. And so, the primary thing that occurs with with uh, the, the using the contemplation or breath around jitta is that the intent. So, jitta is the matrix of attention and intention, and the intention is kind of drive or go for it or holding is cooled, is eased and cooled and the the attention which may be feeling riveted or drawn in to the particular experience that we're having, like we're like we're watching a very you know, something very fascinating or bright or dazzling, so you you're really fully almost uh, you know, drawn into that, is just cooled out. So the intention and attention features are made more equanimous and peaceful. And this is the, so then, then the mind is called releasing the mind, which is uh, uh, releasing it from from content and from the effect of content. So um, mind chitta. takes on quality, it's like a mirror, takes on the quality of what it attends to. This process itself is sometimes masked by the amount of of subsidiary uh, things that are going on in the intellect and so on. As it becomes clearer, then you get a very full full mirror-like response to the breath, which is the experience of the, the piti sukha, um, the second tetrad is very kind of vibrant and almost surreal in a way. Um, so the m- mind is then affected by that. When we actually hold or acknowledge, go to the mind itself, then in a way we're, we're turning the attention back to the knowing and less with the effect. So an example I would say is is say when like you know I often sometimes I talk about it when we're having the 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 meal is you attend to the bowl when you're carrying your bowl into the arms round you're not getting absorbed into the food you're attending to the bowl when you're eating the meal you look at it and you look at the bowl and you see there's this kind of coloured thing inside it but you're holding your attention on the rim of the bowl so you get this whole kind of whole image of the bowl with this colour inside it. If you don't do that, you tend to focus on the food and then you get the particular uh, stimulation that it brings up. Mm. So this is an example of, say, the, the bowl is chitta and the food is the, is the, is the say, the, uh, what the mind is experiencing, mm. the conditioner of mind. So in terms of the anapanasati, then you, you focus on the bowl at this point, just the fact that there is experience. Mm. This is mind. So, in this way, you're releasing the mind from the effects of conditions. Mm. 
Now, in this sense, release is again it's actually a kind of relative term here because it's, it means just release, it's sort of like a, um, a temporary experience, cutting off, releasing in this way. Nevertheless, of course, it's extremely beneficial, to say the least. Um, just to see that the mind can be separate from what it's knowing, from what it's what it's contacting, and that you can hold that, mm. sustain it, and it's peaceful, it's equanimous. But still, in terms in the fourth tetrad, that is also seen as or is it just mind? So why it's a Buddhist practice? If it's not, it then becomes a uh, well. This is you know this is the self. This is the absolute. And this is Brahma. One is one with Brahma. One is one has got it. You know, one is the knowing. One is the Buddha. Why not be the Buddha as well? <laughs> or maybe not in those terms, but one has this kind of the feeling of of having uh, being something because it, it's this is this is mind, but it's still something that's brought together. Comes because of causes and conditions. This is seen as this is only the chitta, you know? purified chitta, and then uh, there are certain things that can be checked and stopped. Tendency towards conceit. And very importantly, the tendency towards um, getting affected by mental condition, by the conditions of mind, stopping that, and then relinquishing the mind means uh, giving it up. Means that seeing it is just the mind, and it's, it's not a self. It's not a final attainment. So that you cultivate the fourth in relationship to the third in that particular particular way. And you know, we can approach mind from you can't we can't always do this through breathing. It's it's uh, you know it's quite it's an advanced practice. Buddha doesn't talk about it any higher than that, so it's pretty advanced, you know. But just just even just even having it as a kind of conceptually as a as a reference, so that whatever the mind is experiencing, be able to have this reflection. This is just the mind. This is the experience of hurt, excited, delighted, dreadful, lonely. You know, and this is just this is just something the mind experiences. It's just the mind experiencing that, and the mind is only one aspect of consciousness. It's the bit of consciousness that refers to itself. So that mind itself is a conditioned process. It's something that's conditioned by this process of being human, being alive, being born, being incarnate. It's not something that we can just dispense with. You know, it's a very, very major business. But it's still not some kind of ultimate thing that we have to either worry about or expect to be something or make something of. So this Anapanasati help is, is a process of, of purifying mind and then releasing oneself from mind. Otherwise, of course, mind just goes on and it goes on birth, birth, birth. And with it, all that birth tendencies. And in in, um, another way, the Buddha talked about just being able to see the um, the mind as the mind is bright or elated. The mind is steady or calm. Mind is is flat. The mind is this way or that way. It's just the mind. It's just chitta. Not not a small business, but still something to be seen with dispassion.
this is this is very helpful, even just to have that as a kind of reference conceptually and to keep coming back to it. And something that we see in terms of a retreat, in terms of our lives as summoners. Because it does otherwise it does have such a convincing such a convincing impression on reality. It seems so utterly ultimately real. The minds stamp upon things as being the only way, the way it is, where everybody should be. And then ten years later, when its mindset has shifted a bit, you've forgotten that. But ten years ago, you were saying, "It's like this, it's like that, and I never do this, and I couldn't be that, and I'm not going to be this, and I'm, how dare they do that?" And now you're this way. Totally convinced by this. <laughs> I think this is who I am, it's what I need, and you know, I'm like this, and I'm never going to be that. Mm. It's just the mind, it's just the knowing itself is a suspect experience. And then, uh, so it's something to work with. Mm. Sensitivity is something to work with. Sensitivity can be also seem a blinding truth, you know. Develop profound emotional things based upon sensitivity. Sensitivity is something so kind of not proud of, but but fascinated by um, how sensitive one is. There's something so wonderful about it. Was being insensitive doesn't help, but sensitivity is just the mind vibrating and to be checked and seen and worked with and calmed and released from is, is the significance of acknowledgement of these things full acknowledgement so really working with it mm.